0: Today, we're going to talk about somebody that you are very good friends with, that's near and dear to your heart, beautiful Bobby Eaton.
1: Got it. That t-shirt.
0: Uh, Robert Lee Eaton, born August 14th, 1958, grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, big professional wrestling fan, especially at NWA Mid-America, and at the age of 13, he got his feet wet, setting up uh, rings around his hometown now. Has Bobby ever told you any of those stories about when he was 13 years old setting up wrestling rings? Just to- He
1: actually – he did. So, he would tell me that they would get to the building real early, him and a couple of his buddies that would go watch the matches. And they would get there and they would set the ring up. In exchange for them to get to set the ring up, they got into the matches for free and then they would let him play around in the ring until the crowd come in or until the boys needed it to do anything. So, he said that he would get in there and – They'd start imitating what they thought they were doing it right, what they'd saw the week before and stuff. And uh, he said that the days when it wasn't in his hometown, they would meet the ring truck there. They'd ride in the back of the pickup truck to whatever spot show they were doing. They'd set the ring up, and he said the guy that was in charge of the ring would buy him like a burger and a, a bottle of Coke, and then they'd sit around, watch the matches, and then they'd tear the ring down come back. But that's how he got in, was he didn't have to pay for the ticket. and He just showed up and helped set up the ring. But coincidentally, that's how he got his start. They were in there just flopping around one day, and they were the boys started looking. They were like, who's that kid, and who was he trained by? And they're like, he's not trained by anybody. He's like a kid, you know, and he helped set up the ring. And, I mean, you're, you're probably going to jump in there in a minute and tell me that's how he got his start, though. Yeah. Uh, they were looking. They're like, hey, this kid's got something, and they had a wrestler not show up that night. And they throw Bobby Eaton in there, and the rest, history.
0: History. He ended up working major wrestling promotions, NWA, CWA, Mid-South, World Class, JCP, WCW, Smoky Mountain, New Japan, ECW, TNA, and the list goes on and on. All of them. MSW, he's worked there a few times. (laughs) Uh, Famous for being one half of the Midnight Express. No
2: one deserved a singles push and a – all the accolades that you can give him uh any any amount of money would not have been commensurate with what Bobby Eaton was worth and i would say and i have said on many times bobby eaton was in a that top 5 performers of all time now I, you could take the other four and, and and change the order. Bobby could have been number five. He could have been number one. Who knows? He was just that good, and he was one of those guys that loved to work and didn't mind working hard and giving you 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever was necessary. And I was honored to lay right there in the middle and him drop that leg off the top, one, two, three. I wouldn't have been... Any happier doing it for anybody that was perceived a bigger star in the business, Bobby Eaton and I went out and tore the joint down, if I do say so myself, because the single-mindedness was he was trying to make me and I was trying to make him. And at the end of the day, the thing that got over was the match. And you had a new champion right in the middle, no hocus pocus, no BS. Bobby deserved that. I wish I could have only done more.
0: Made his pro wrestling debut at 17 years old. Quickly moved up the card, uh, feuded with the Hollywood Blondes, started teaming up with a variety of partners. Like you said, somebody got sick, and uh, they were looking for somebody, like, hey, who's this kid? And just just threw him to the wolves, basically, and the rest is history. You know, back then, and and even now, but back then especially, when they wouldn't just let anybody touch the ring, let alone get up in the ring. So it must have uh, really showed some some potential and turn some head at, heads at a young age.
1: Absolutely. I think they were trustworthy. Him and those kids would get there early, set that ring up. And I think they shoot any time that you can take somebody's backbreaking work and do it just to be tickled to be a part of it. And all they wanted to do was get in the matches and get in the ring for a little bit. I'm sure the guy that was in charge of the ring for the promoter was more than happy to oblige. <laughs> so, man, that's probably the reason that he – you know that it happens. Stuff kind of falls in line for those that are destined to do great things. And for Bobby, I think it was showing up and help setting up the ring and getting in there and just the right person catching his eye at the right time. And one one door opens to a thousand more opening. And like you said, there it is. There's history right there.
0: 1978, he teamed up with Leap and Lanny Poffo, brother of the Macho Man, Randy Savage. They won the NWA Mid-America Tag Titles. That would be his first of many title wins. Later teamed up with George Goulas, as the jet set uh, they ended up holding the tag titles three different times feuding with a young Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes before they became the fabulous freebirds so even at a young start feuding with guys that eventually would be hall of famers 79 he briefly wrestled in Georgia championship wrestling won the national tv title as a singles competitor went to work for Jerry Jarrett CWA there he met Stan Lane who we will get to later on who became a vital part of Bobby Eaton's history in wrestling him and Sweet Sugar Brown teamed up, called themselves the New Wave and won the AWA Southern Tag Titles uh, three different times and twice under the manager, Jimmy Hart. Went on to uh, work for Bill Watts in Mid-South, where it became part of a reboot of the Midnight Express. And I say reboot because the original uh, was a trio, Dennis Condry, Randy Rose, and Norval Austin. Yeah. Yep. Uh, under this uh, new Midnight Express, they were strictly a tag team with uh, Dennis Condry, Jim Cornette as their manager. Condry went by uh, Loverboy, Dennis Condry, so Eaton changed his name to Beautiful Bobby Eaton. In Mid-South, they won their first tag titles for Magnum TA, and Mr. Wrestling 2, also began their legendary feud with the Rock and Roll Express. This feud ran for decades, crossing over multiple promotions, and there are still promotions and conventions booking these guys to appear together today. Uh, Midnight Express had a short run in Dallas as a WCCW World Class Championship Wrestling, where they mainly feuded with the Fantastics. Some epic matches between Fantastics and uh, Midnight Express. 85 Eaton, Condrey, and Cornette signed with JCP and was given national exposure on Superstation TBS, and won the NWA World Tag Team titles from the Rock and Roll Express. They also had a uh, lengthy feuds with the Road Warriors, including a high-profile scaffolding match at Starcade 1986. In 1987, Connery left JCP and sweet Stan Lane, who I mentioned earlier, took his place in the Midnight Express. Together, they won the NWA U.S. Tag Titles three times while teaming together. And then they won the NWA World Tag Team Titles from Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard.
3: The time in that Philadelphia Civic Center when beautiful Bobby came off that top rope, landed on Arn Anderson's head. It changed in that brief moment. The entire face of professional wrestling. We beat the odds, we beat the system, we beat the unbeatable team. Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, what you beat was a hasty retreat, brother. And in that same self-same instant, beautiful Bobby and Sweet Sam became recognized. We got the proof, brother. It ain't bragging, it's fact. We're the number one tag team in professional wrestling. Cause can't nobody beat us. This is unheard of. This has never before been done, never before even been attempted. These championships, all these honors, and all these accolades. And whether you like them in that express or not, you've now got to admit what I've been saying all along
1: is the truth because we got the proof. We're the number one tag team in professional wrestling, and everybody else is playing catch up now.
0: But that feud was cut short when Anderson and Tully went to the WWF as the Brain Busters. And I know they are also one of your favorite tag teams. Yep,
1: absolutely. At uh, one time, let's see, they had the they had the U.S. tag and the world tag at the same time. Is that correct?
0: Yep. After losing the titles to the Road Warriors, they feuded with a team thought to be gone forever. The original Midnight, Midnight Express of Dennis Condry and Randy Rose, managed by Paul E. Dangerously, and the angle there was uh, the original thought they were better than the newer version. Uh, again, that, uh, that didn't last long because Condry once again left, was replaced by Jack Victory, and that pretty much ended that feud. They feuded with the Samoan SWAT team. Uh, in a new version of the fabulous Freebirds, and then teamed with the Road Warriors and Dr. Death Steve Williams to defeat the SST and the Freebirds in a War Games match at the Great America Bash. After this, they began a feud with the dynamic dudes, which is uh, Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace. In this angle, the the dudes looked up to the Midnight Express, wanted Cornette to manage them as well, uh, which kind of put a wedge between Cornette and the Express. They faced off at Clash of the Champions, with Cornette appearing to be in a neutral corner. However, Cornette had to ace up a sleeve. was with the Midnight Express all along. Whacked Shane Douglas in the head with a tennis racket, allowing Midnight to get the win. You, did you like Midnight Express better as Hills or Babyfaces? I I, Hills. Yeah, Absolutely. Back with Cornette as Hills, they won the U.S. tag titles from Flying Brian Pillman and the Z-Man Tom Zink, but eventually lost to the Steiner's brothers three months later. 1990, after WCW's Halloween Havoc, the Midnight Express split up, Cornette and Lane left WCW. Eaton chose to stay, and for the first time in almost a decade there was no more Midnight Express. Eaton uh, went into singles competition and per the wrestling observer signed a two year contract worth one hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year in January nineteen ninety one. That's a lot of money back there, man. That's a lot of money now, but back in ninety one, one hundred and seventy K a year is
1: big bucks. Quarter million dollars, man. Yeah. It's good money.
0: At Super Bowl, Eaton defeated Arn Anderson to win the World TV title. Beautiful
3: Bobby is limping, but he's going up top. Will it be the Alabama That's Jam? That's Barry Wyndham and Flying Bryant. That Out, is Alabama, Alabama Jam! Off the We top. got one! We got one, baby! And ladies and gentlemen, we got a new, new winner! World Television champion! WCW World
0: Television Champion! Beautiful! and nothing else. Oh, what the, neck, he breaker running to the neck
3: breaker right here. He's got the neck breaker on him, Bobby. I mean, it's stepping in here right now.
0: But his highest profile match as a singles wrestler would be against Ric Flair for the WCW world title at Clash of the Champions in a two out of three falls match. And beautiful Bobby now. He's going to try the Alabama jam. If he hits it, yeah, he did. He's got it. He hooks the leg. Eaton Pin Flair at the first fall. Flair ended up winning. Uh, after that, he ultimately lost, uh, ended up losing his TV title as well to some jobber named Steve Austin. I don't know what happened to that, that guy, but. Some punk. Some, some no-namer uh, kind no of name. Famous. I
3: remember when I won the world television title for Bobby mm-hmm. Eaton when I went down to WCW and I was like, okay, I got this belt. What do you do with You it? know, you mentioned the name there and I remember you wrestling about how good was Bobby Eaton. I mean, here's a guy, great worker that nobody will ever know. Oh, I know. I always put him over. No, this but I mean, I don't when, know how when, good he is. When he came off that top rope at the Alabama Jam, how many guys would you let do that to you now? <laughs> not <laughs> no, too many. Not too many guys can do it. Bobby Eaton was great.
0: 1991, Paulie Dangerously formed the Dangerous Alliance consisting of Bobby Eaton, Rick Rude, Larry Zabisco, Arn Anderson, and Steve Austin. Eaton and Anderson quickly won the WCW World Tag Titles by defeating Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes. And the Dangerous Alliance was a dominant force in WCW at one time holding every title except the world title, which uh, Sting held at that time. They ended up feuding with Sting and a bunch of his friends having a double ring war games match at Wrestle War 1992, which got a five-star rating. It's a good match. Real good match. The Alliance split up. Heyman left WCW. Eaton and Anderson continued to feud, being managed by Michael Hayes and uh worked as a tag team until bill watts came in and ended up making some roster cuts which unfortunately Eaton was part of that he reached out to cornet promoter of uh, smoky mountain and ended up winning their version of the tv title from 93 to 95 he occasionally worked for new japan in various tag team matches during this time eric bischoff rehired him in wcw and paired him with a young chris ben wall went back to japan so eaton joined the tag team bad attitude with steve kern he also made a couple of appearances in ecw at due to a uh, talent trade arrangement between WCW and ECW. Uh, probably his most notable ECW match was at World's in 94 where he teamed with Sabu to beat Arn Anderson and Terry Funk. It was also 94 where WCW produced their very first Bobby Eaton action figure. And what would you give to have one of those, Space Cowboy?
1: I have been with him when he signed a couple of those and they're not easy to get your hands on. It's the same as like the – didn't that come out at the same time the Butch Reed one did? Because the Butch Reed one in the package is pretty expensive as well. They're very rare.
0: Yeah. He then joined Lord Steven Regal's faction, the Blue Bloods, becoming a snobbish man of class and sophistication. Feated with the Nasty Boys, Harlem Heat, Stud Stable. Uh, later that year, Regal won the TV title. Eaton left the group and uh, even wrestled Regal for that title on two occasions. This would be his last serious push in WCW. Uh, but speaking of pushes in WCW, Bill Goldberg thought so much of Bobby Eaton, he actually wanted him and begged WCW management, including Arn Anderson, to let Bobby Eaton pin him ending his streak. Bobby Eaton, Eaton helped me out so much. We're
3: in the middle of my streak and I still don't know shit from Shinoah, right? And we're in his home freaking town, Right? And he's put me over that night, and I am begging Arn Anderson to let me put him over. Whether it's a show or not, I wanted him to be the man that night. And it meant everything to me. In that night, in that moment, it meant more for me to make him the guy than anything about this streak thing that they were talking about. I wanted him to pin me. I wanted him to pin me. It would have killed everything. For me, it was the right thing to do, and I loved him, and it's the way I could
1: pay him back. Yep. It was at, uh, I think it was at Huntsville in Bobby's hometown, and it happened to be like Bobby's birthday or something that night. And Goldberg gets this great idea, and he was like, hey, because like Bobby was instrumental and in helped train Goldberg at the power plant and do some of that hands-on stuff walking through a few matches, he wanted to do the favors for Bobby. And I think it was Kevin Sullivan quickly was like, no, we're building you up this storyline and you can't go losing to Bobby Eaton on a house show in the middle of Alabama. But he didn't understand, but then again, Goldberg didn't understand the business anyway, right?
0: Right. Uh, Say say a lot of stuff about Goldberg, but at least he, you know, respected Bobby Eaton enough to – he wanted to do the guy solid. Yeah. 2003, he made appearances in TNA, losing to Kid Cash as a part of a storyline where Cash faced off in a, against a series of 80s stars. Bobby Eaton known as one of the nicest people in professional wrestling, uh, even though he wrestled as a heel you know, most of his career. Mick Foley said in his book that Eaton is not only one of the most nicest, but the most underrated superstars in the business. We have a lot of younger people that listen to our show, and I like to, to go through... You know some of the background. Absolutely, uh, they may not know who Bobby Eaton is right off the bat, but they know who Stone Cold is. They know who Ric Flair is, Arn Anderson, Goldberg, Sting, uh, Steamboat. Hopefully, they they know who all those guys are. So I like to show, hey, this dude worked with the topest guys in the business, topest promotions, held some of the most prestigious titles, and absolutely. Um, you know everything I've heard about Bobby Eaton, nothing but positive. I've heard nothing negative ever about Bobby Eaton.
1: He is – my students get tired of me talking Bobby Eaton, Bobby Eaton, Bobby Eaton, but dude was way ahead of his time. He was doing some innovative stuff in that ring that guys were just like, what the hell are you doing? And now you look at it and you're like, oh, my God, how good was he in a tag situation, in a single situation? But he was coming up with stuff, like he said, just because they were there and got bored and, you know – trying this or that or try – he was not afraid to try something new in the ring. Yeah. And, uh, you know, down to his finish and move to Alabama Jam, yes. not a lot of people are going to take that bump, man. That's a crippling bump that, you know, you're laying on your tailbone night after night after night, twice on, you know, Saturdays for TV. And uh, just way ahead of his time, man. Absolutely can't say enough stuff about him. Like I said, one of my buddies, but one of my heroes when I was a kid, like – Bob Eaton and uh, was probably the midnight in the Midnight Express were probably the first heels that I started cheering for as a kid, maybe along with Ric Flair. But that's where you start noticing somebody that grew up on wrestling and, you know, you're programmed to cheer the baby faces. But when you watch them, they're like, there's something about this guy. There's something about that team. They're really good, you know. You know that they're solid. Before you know what work rate is when you're seven years old, you just know that you like watching them perform.
0: He always led into the Alabama jam with a swinging neck breaker. But he was innovative, like you said. He did some, some innovative back breakers back then that nobody else was doing. Yeah. He did a lot of stuff that nobody was doing. And
1: Sure. That's, um, man, there's so much stuff. Like if you watch the – my students have I've, – I've had them watch the – Arn Anderson Super Bowl match where he wins the television title for the first time, where he takes on Anderson. And there's a part at the beginning of the match, Bobby throws this right uppercut that pops when he does it. And he knocks, just in the facing off, uh, knocks Anderson down. Anderson takes flat back bump. Crowd goes freaking bananas. And Eaton has one of the best, that right uppercut. And... Bobby came down, stayed a week with me. I don't know. Shoot, it's probably been seven, eight years ago. And we had a couple shows. We did double shots, a couple autograph signings for Bobby, and then we did about three nights down here at Mid States Gym where he came and worked out with my guys. We did kind of seminars and stuff. And I was like, it was like thirty minutes before one of the seminars. Like, all right, Bobby, show me how to do that right uppercut. And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know space. You just, you just do it. I just do it. I was like, all right. So. There's a punching bag like literally two feet from me right now. And I was like, Bobby, show me how you do it on that bag. And he did it. And I just recorded it with my phone. I'm like, so I was trying to break it apart. And it's just so smooth. And he can just, just for the top of his knuckle, just tap you right there with that right uppercut. It's so smooth. If you guys haven't watched that match with Arn Anderson in the Super Bowl, go watch it. It's absolutely awesome. Those two are probably two of my favorite singles workers of all time. Go watch that match and it will just be and it wasn't i mean it was like a curtain jerking match it was like one of the first match in the night or second night and our second match and it's just i can't put it over enough man can't put bobby over enough man he's the, he's one of the greatest i've i've uh, tried to learn so much from him just by watching his stuff by asking him being on road trips with him and picking his brain as much as i can and uh bobby <laughs> bobby sometimes will just say well just cuz man that's just what i did you know and yeah. You know, we, uh, gosh, there's so many good, There's so much good stuff between the midnights, between his singles career that Bobby Eaton is just hands down one of the greatest of all time and yeah. probably go down as the most underrated
0: it, of all time. And, you know, Goldberg, I mentioned him earlier, credits Bobby Eaton for training him. I mean, helping him so much sure. along the way. He did that with Sting and so many other people too. Let me ask you this, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, Jim Cornette, X-Pac, you know, Sean Waltman, all talk about how generous he is. Uh, right. How he offers to pay for dinner, offers to buy stuff, travels with an extra suitcase full of toiletries, supplies, whatever you want to call it. Everything. Just in case somebody he's with leaves something at home, He's got it and, and is willing to give that up.
3: <laughs> I got a bunch of good stories about Bobby Eaton. I tell you what, uh, when I, I, that was the first uh, title I ever won. When I got to WCW, I won the World Television Championship from Bobby Eaton, won half the Midnight Express, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And uh, Bobby was one of those kind of guys that – uh, you could you could ask a lot of guys uh, why they did something, and they'll give you a long, in-depth explanation as far as psychology and why they did what they did. When you would uh, ask Bobby, you know, Bobby would kind of be like, hmm, I don't know, boy. You know, and he just knew what to do, when to do it. And I understand he's taught a lot of guys. I think uh, he was down there in uh, uh, the Florida Center training WWE guys for a little bit. But uh, he's just – he was one of those guys – Bobby traveled with a gigantic duffel bag, and when we used to uh, do TV tapings at Center Stage back in Atlanta, me, Bobby Eaton, and Dustin Rhodes would all dress back in that little uh, back alley together, and there'd be times when people would forget stuff, and it didn't matter what you forgot, if you did, Bobby Eaton had it in his bag, and then it would be uh, like dental floss, uh, a sewing kit to put a button back on, a toothbrush, uh, a, a, a lint brush. It could be absolutely anything, a pair of tweezers, a pair of uh, fingernail clippers, a pocket knife, uh, candy, gum, uh, scope, Bobby Eaton. I don't know how I drug, drug that goddamn bag with him everywhere because it had one of everything in it. And he was one, one of my favorite guys to work with in the ring. One time we were doing a uh, battle royal at the Citadel and it was a uh, clusterfuck, as most royal, as most uh, battle royals are, and everybody was kind of discombobulated and matched up. And Bobby didn't have anybody that was matched up with him. All the guys were taken. So instead of going and helping out a pair that were working, Bobby just took off and started hitting the ropes, crisscrossing the ring. <laughs> And I'd already been thrown out. I'd busted my knee, and I was at the curtain laughing my ass off just because out of the blue, Bobby starts hitting the damn ropes. It was the funniest damn thing I'd ever seen in a pro wrestling ring at that time. So I got nothing but respect for beautiful Bobby Eaton, uh, You know him, and uh, whether it was lover boy Dennis Connery or sweet Stan Lane, with Jim Cornette as their manager, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So I hear uh, Bobby's had... You know a few health issues as of late, uh, and I wish him uh, all the luck in the world. I hope he gets well and, and uh, gets over what he's got. But uh, high regards, high respect for beautiful Bobby Eaton.
0: Let's hear about uh, let's hear about some of that.
1: That that story is usually true. Uh, Bobby's got a not so much as a suitcase anymore, but he'll carry like a tote bag with him. He's got a Tar Heels, North Carolina tote bag, and a lot of times he'll have his eight by ten pictures in there, of this or that, or you know, a uh, shirt or whatever else. But whatever, it's just a matter of almost like a pack ride, but he does it because just in case somebody can use it. And it's yeah. just one of those things. Bobby's always walking around like he's the first one if you're backstage or, hey, man, are you good? Do you need anything, buddy? You need anything? I'm like, no, I should be asking you that, man. Are you good? Do you need anything? So he's just that way. He goes out of his way to make everybody comfortable, make sure everybody's accommodated. But there's times, like, you're you're exactly right, we'll stay in a hotel or something, and Bobby would just be like, take those individual bag of coffee and just shove it in that bag. Like, what are you going to do with that? Somebody might need it is what, you know. And there also might be Big Mac that he didn't finish two days ago in there too, but it's just a matter of he's got it, and you'll never go hungry around Bobby eating. He'll always offer to buy you a bag of chips or you know something to drink when you stop in the gas station or whatever. He's the first guy to do that stuff. But those rumors are true. Bobby Eaton is one of the hands down nicest guy, if not the nicest guy you'll ever meet in the business. and there's been I can count half a dozen times that Bobby would try to pick up a check if you go eat. like I said. We'd stop to get gas somewhere, and he'd be like, hey, let me, get, let, me get you, let me get you a soda pop space. And I'm like, no, man, I'm good, man, or I'll, I'll get it, you know. Oh, let me pay for that, you know. He's just an incredibly go-out-of-his-way nice guy. And I think that's where the bag comes into play. It's just like, well, somebody may need that down the road. He wants to make sure he can go out of his way to be whatever capacity he can be, the nicest guy and fill in for that. And it's just the way he is. He's just a good, kind person.
0: You know Dundee his daughter. Uh, he would not allow her to have anything to do with the guys he booked. Actually, uh, found out Bobby had been dating her and was cool with it because he's such a nice guy. Um, 2006, he started having some health issues. In 2013, underwent successful surgery to have a pacemaker inserted. Uh, how how's he doing now? Is he uh, everything good? I ran
1: into. I don't get to see Bobby as much as I did uh, there for a while. when We were, were filming TCW I at least got to see Bobby at least a couple of days out of the month. And then, um, he would come into mid States. I was looking at the posters before we started today. And, uh, I was just, there's probably a dozen posters that Bobby's been on here for mid States, just being on the events. And we worked together a lot. He would come in and help out some of, some of my guys and do, um, kind of a training seminar here and there. But I at least got to see him once or twice a month. But now he's over in Tennessee. I ran into him at uh, WrestleCade uh, during Thanksgiving in Winston-Salem. And he was the first guy. As soon as I got there, I was like, I know Bobby's here. Let me go find him. And Went down to the restaurant and just BSed a little bit and caught up. And you never miss a step with Bobby. He'd first want to run up and give you a big old hug. and. Um he's just great dude, but he's over there and of course he they keep he keeps pretty busy autograph signing here and there and indie shows and just uh you know those those that know that know. yeah, you know, he's still in he's still in demand, man.
0: Um you mentioned those that know know. I think Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Rick Flair, Arn Anderson probably have a good idea. They probably know and all of them say uh, Bobby Eaton's probably the top five workers ever. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Mid-States Wrestling, Bobby Eaton, uh, one of his last matches happened at MSW.
1: There for a while. I actually found the poster for you today to show you. Um, there for a while, we had, Bobby had his last singles match with Mid-States Wrestling. And it was December 18th, and this is a poster that he signed. It's right here. It's just from the collection of posters I have down here. Zaheer Snorgin taught the fairgrounds, and he went on to win a 10-man battle royal. And um, I would say that happened in about, probably about 20, 2012, 2013. And Bobby didn't have any more matches for the longest time, and I think he – recently just like a couple years ago had his last official match that he was involved in a tag match i think over with ricky morton at school morton i think they did something down there but we um uh, we even had uh one of our legends event we had the rock and roll express and bobby eaton here and we presented them with a plaque in the ring for Greatest tag team feud of all time. That's, okay. In my opinion, that'll go down as that. You can say what you will, and every, every now and then, somebody will say, well, the greatest feud of all time is the Road Warriors and the Midnight. But the Midnight Express is always in that talk, whenever you talk about it, whenever yeah. you talk about someone's – whether they prefer the Dennis Condry, Midnight, or the or the Stan Lane.
0: You know, you could – and I agree, Midnight and Rock and Roll is the greatest tag team uh, feud of, of all time. But you could still argue – the Road Warriors, and even the Fantastics are right in there with that.
1: Absolutely. There's a match, and it's uh, – gosh, and it's the, it's the Fantastics and the Midnights, and they go out, and it is just an absolute awesome tag match. And uh, that's the one where Tommy Rogers ends up, like, getting his eyeball, like where it's hanging out of his socket almost and ends up having to work, like, the last part of the match, almost blind with his eyeball hanging out. Um, it's a great, great match. It's a good one to watch. You talk about having the crowd. That crowd didn't shut up from the minute they walked out of the curtain to the yeah. minute they were back through the curtain, and that's that's what you want. man.
0: You don't see that's that these days. Great stuff. You don't see no that these not days, at all, especially in a tag team match. <laughs> right? Uh, hey, man, you alluded to it earlier. Going to put you on the spot. I know it's like you know we've talked about this before. And you said it's like picking your own uh, between your kids' favorite <laughs> version: Condry or Lane. You know. I just
1: I try to look at them as interchangeable parts, kind of like the Freebirds. Um, probably Condry, because he was original, and I've worked with Condry a couple of times, and I've only met Stan once. Dennis is a super nice guy as well. Very underrated worker. I mean, just a good journeyman worker that was around forever. Him and Bobby mesh well, and you put Kip Cornette in there as a mouthpiece. But when Condry left, to his credit, Stan Lane stepped up and – not only didn't miss a beat, but might have taken it just a pinch higher, man. You listen to when he would come down and do the ring introduction, Stan would do the introduction, you know, and introduce Jim Cornette and and all that stuff. The ladies love Stan Lane. And uh, he's a cool dude. I just got to meet him for the first time um, in this last Thanksgiving weekend.
0: Dude, he looks like he can still go.
1: Dude, he looks, he looks like, like he's a, a million change. bucks.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> He's uh, – the other thing is, too, is I'd met Dennis and I'd met Bobby and I've worked with them on the same cards and stuff a lot. And I'd never met Stan because Stan did the ESPN, ESPN, the Ocho or whatever he did, you know, with the boat races and all that stuff for years. So he didn't do a lot of the meet and greets. He didn't do a lot of that stuff. I'd have my picture made even with the rock and roll and the Midnights together, but I'd never got a picture with all three Midnights together until I did this last. Um, this last year in Winston Salem at WrestleCade, and it was cool, man. He's Stan's a nice guy, but I'd probably have to say Conjury just because they were the original. Well, I know they're not the original, original, but the they original were my zero. version of the original of that formula. Oh, yeah. corner.
0: but man, that's...
1: that's like making you pick between two kids that you love very dearly, you yeah. know.
0: <laughs> uh, favorite Bobby Eaton match, um, singles some, or tag, uh, either or. I'll, I'll throw some examples for me. And then you can choose from those, or you may have, uh, you know, a okay. deep cut you want to uh, – mine, uh, my first is probably Arn Anderson. My second is Flair. And then probably yeah. the 92 War Games. And then uh, anywhere after that, you can throw the Fantastics, Rock and Roll, or Road Warriors.
1: Sure, yeah. Those, those tag matches are interchangeable. Like I said, my students get tired of me recommending Bobby Eaton matches. There's even – I found one where he did um, like a Saturday night, like at center stage with Flair. On like a fifteen-minute time limit draw kind of thing, and they were just out there. You could tell that was one of those matches that they just called it in the ring, and they were going. But man, it was great. Um, Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson at the at the uh, was it Summer Super Bowl? the first Super one where he wins the tag. Uh, yeah, the television championship. That's my favorite singles match of Bobby, uh, just because I love those two so well.
0: Yeah, Super and.
1: Probably going to be one of the Rock and Roll Express matches. Just, I mean, they had so many good ones, but some of those scaffold matches were pretty good, and they're hard to work. You know, it's got to be hard to work. And I asked Bobby, you know, I was like, how many times you fall off that scaffold? And he's like, every time. And man, I'm like, I, he said it felt like you know every night that he
0: was I, falling uh, off the scaffold. I was going to ask you if you ever mentioned that because heights, uh, they're they're not really my thing, man, and I, I would yeah. hate. No. Uh, Not at all. Man, my knees
1: start knocking if I get up on the turnbuckle, you know, on the second row. So I'm not a height guy at all. But they – you know, one thing, this is kind of a funny story about Bobby, but we started talking about I mean, those falls were nothing to laugh at. Even if you're dangling there and you're still 15 feet above the ring, which is another three and a half feet up above the ground. Man, those falls got a – you know, Cornette blew out both knees on his fall. Because Bubba lost him in the lights, so to speak. But uh, we're, we're talking one day. We're on our way back from uh, Tulsa, and Bobby's, Bobby's riding with me, and we started talking about concussions. And he was like, hey, what, what, what is that? You know, and I was like, a concussion? I was like, and he said, yeah. And I said, well, well man, do you ever get a, you know, he goes, I don't, I don't think I've ever had one. I'm like, Bobby, trust me, you've had a concussion. I was like, no man, I didn't how have many? A before I got out of school, you know, uh, but I was like, trust me, you've had a concussion. He goes, what was what, feel like? And I'm like, uh, well, you ever, you ever get a stinger? Oh yeah, whole time. And I'm like, you know, that's what we used to call it back in the day. Is oh, you got a stinger, you got your bell rung. But anyway, um, I, I said, Bobby, trust me, I know that you've had a concussion. Your years of doing this, trust me, you've had your. Oh yeah, I've had, I've had a stinger. You know, I've had my bell rung. I'm like, that's pretty much it. And he goes. Oh man, I'm like, yeah, you've had a bunch of them, haven't you? And He's like, yeah, but yeah. guys, I mean, we don't, we didn't know as much about concussions, and they especially didn't back then. But even to me, being in this business 20-something years at the beginning, it was just a badge of honor. Oh man, I knocked that dude out out there. You know, you took a chair shot, and like, oh, you made me see stars on that one. But that's one thing I def- I definitely don't mess around with anymore. But the funny fact of that story is just all the matches he's had. All the years, falling off scaffolds and this and that and barbed wire matches and getting hit with chairs and getting thrown to the outside of the concrete with no padding on there. He was like, I don't think I've ever had a concussion. I'm like, oh man, trust me, you've had a concussion. Man. You're not just the luckiest dude in the world. You've had a concussion. You just didn't know it.
0: Do you think we will see the Midnight Express in the WWE Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah. Every time, every year that comes up, um, I knew it came up a few years ago and they're like, Oh, it'll never happen because of Cornette because Cornette's got too much heat with Lucky Beaver and Vince and all that stuff. But if, um, if they had him there to induct the rock and roll express, I would say it's just a matter of time. I would absolutely love to see the midnights, all three of them, yeah. you know, or all three, excuse me, all four of them yeah. going. Yeah. Excuse me. With, um, or some version of that, whether it be Condry, whether it be Lane, but hopefully they would go ahead and do, you know, all three plus Cornette. I think that would be tremendous. Of We did the Mid-South Legends reunion, WrestleMania 30 weekend down there in New Orleans, and I couldn't have thought of a better time to put them in there, you know, in that whole, you know, that Mid-South territory. That, But then I was like, well – Atlanta, Georgia, you know, still nothing. You know, back to Texas for Dallas, still nothing. And uh, I I understand they've got a quota to meet and they've got to put this amount of guys in, but I just think the Midnight should have been there a long time ago. And I know you, everybody's like, oh, that guy's definitely should have been in the Hall of you, Fame. You can only put in like six or seven people every year, but of all the tag teams and, you know, rock and roll deserve it by well, all means. They've sold tickets, they've made money, and I think that you got to look at teams that made – a lot of those teams that made money. Midnight's got to go in there, and they should have been in there already.
0: Yeah, so many of the people they feuded with are already in there, and how can you put them in there and not the Midnight Express, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Politics aside, like Cornette or not, they need to be in there. Bobby definitely needs to be in there because he worked with with both – versions of Express, you know, Condry and Lane. And plus, as a singles, he's held titles. But he's the consistent in that formula. Well, so is Cornette. But they got to be in there eventually, you'd think.
1: Absolutely. Any more
0: uh, more Bobby Eaton stories?
1: Well, I'll I'll give you a couple funny ones real quick. Uh, Brian Thompson's got a lot more than I do. Uh, Of course, Brian and Bobby were inseparable – uh, always inseparable and they've always got a good story. So I've got some good road stories with them together too. But all right. So I think we're on our way to we're driving back from Oklahoma or driving. No, we're on our way back from a show. And uh he had stopped in at one of the convenience stores and we bought he'd bought some beer and the beer that he bought didn't have the it was at Oklahoma, so you either had to buy whatever it was, it was or it was watered down three two beer. I don't know whatever it was at the time. The beer he buys doesn't twist off. So he's like, here you go, space, and he hands me one. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the back seat; I'm not driving. And uh, Bobby's sitting up front in the passenger seat, and I'm like, oh, it won't twist off. And I usually have a bottle opener on my key ring. I didn't have that key ring on me, and I was like, oh, and he's like, oh, give it here, give it here. And he like takes it, and I don't know if you've ever saw anybody do the seatbelt trick, but Bobby Eaton totally smartened me up on the seatbelt trick. You take the seatbelt, I'm gonna draw a picture for those, those at home. The seat belt has got a little clicker and then there's your belt. I know it's a horrible drawing but this little part right here goes into the part that makes the clicking noise. Well there's a little rectangle right there. You can take that and you can put your beer there and if you hold your hand just right you pop the lid off the beer and Bobby did that trick. I thought it was so cool, and he's like, oh, yeah, hell, we used to do that all the time, you know, because that's what they do. They get done, they'd stop, get them a six-pack or half-case beer, and they'd drive on to the next town. And I just thought that was so cool that he had that trick. Um, Another good story about Bobby is I got him booked on some deals, and I was like, hey, Bobby, I got this great idea. I'm going to work on it because we were doing some seminars down here. I'm like, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to have it on the show available Saturday that we're going to work so we went, we got some labels printed out and stuff, and we got us some strawberry jelly. And this one's faded because the uh, logo got wet. But
0: Alabama we Jam. made
1: Beautiful Bob Eaton's Alabama Jam, that is a legendary awesome. taste from a true wrestling legend. This was Slamming Strawberry. It had the Alabama state flag, and it said established, established 1958, Huntsville, Alabama. It had his picture on it. This one, he signed it. But we had those on the merchandise table, and I had to grab one because I think we only put out like probably ten jars that first night, and we sold completely out. So I had to keep one for myself. So that's awesome. I, I thought it was a cool story. Now since then, he's uh, he's made some more, like some blueberry and stuff, and he'll have it on the gimmick table. Uh, some fun Bobby stories is I've made two T-shirts for Bobby, and uh, let's see, we made this one. I did the artwork on this. And it's a Legends of Wrestling. It's Bob, beautiful Bobby Eaton. cartoon. And we did another one that has like a logo, like a Roots of Fight type shirt. It said Alabama Jam, you know. And that shirt is the one that Steve Austin has that he put on his podcast. We sent him some of the jam and we sent him the Bobby Eaton shirt. Ricky Morton's got it. There's a bunch of guys that have got the shirt that we chopped it around. And Jim Cornette and his wife got one of the first runs. I made sure that they got one. And well, if you everybody
0: to run across any extras in the attic or you know in a box, you know, <laughs>
1: I've had everybody, I've had everybody hit me up for that one. I need to get a hold of Bobby. He needs the. We need to get him some more reprinted so we can get him some money made on those shirts. But we need to get everybody's Mid
0: We need to get him uh-huh. back at MSW.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Everybody loves Bobby. Bobby, I love Bobby. He's welcome here anytime the lights are turned on. I've got a really cool, if anybody ever comes to the gym and you come down here to train, work out, or whatever, there's a really cool banner that we have made, kind of like this one behind me, but it's uh, that we use for Bobby's appearances. And this is wrestling legend, beautiful Bobby Eaton, and it's got a, a bunch of his pictures. I did one of the promo pics that he still uses to this day, and it's probably got 30 or 40, like a collage type, deal of Bobby on there. So there's a bunch of different pictures throughout his career, whether it be the Midnight Singles. There's one of him and Anderson with Michael P.S. Hayes. Just a bunch of little pictures, and we printed them off in big posters. Of course, he signed them at his at his table and stuff. So, man, Bobby is a a great dude. I talk to his sister all the time on Facebook. She's a sweetheart, and uh, I try to – Bobby's not the best with answering his phone. You know, he's still got one of the, the old flip phones, but – I give him a holler every now and then and get his voicemail or I'll talk to his sister when he comes down there and holler at him for a little bit. But, man, you can't say enough nice stuff about Bobby Eaton, the person, and you definitely can't begin to scratch the surface of saying anything great about Bobby Eaton, the performer. Bobby Eaton, the performer, and if anything, if you hashtag one word on this whole thing, is underrated. Beautiful Bobby Eaton is the most underrated professional wrestler of all time. And another one I'll throw at you ahead of his time. Absolutely. He was an innovator ahead of his time and he was just, he's just the freaking man.
0: Yeah. Does not get near the credit he deserves again. Top promotions. Worked with the top guys and held.
1: Oh, I got a cool story real quick. I'll throw on you, but you know, it doesn't involve me, but he told me the story. Um, when WCW, Eric Bischoff told him, as long as he was in charge, he had a job for the rest of his life. That's how well-respected that Bobby was. Whether it be out there in the, in the ring doing matches, there's a really good one on the network I came across not too long ago. It's him and Ray Mysterio. Hmm. So look at that one in, on, uh, on your network, guys. Um, helping out behind the scenes, helping talent, whether working at the power plant or this or that or agenting some talent, but Bobby Eaton, when they did, I can't think of the company. He told me that, I want to say, and it wasn't a claim, but one of those video game producers that produced like the first WCW Monday Nitro game or whatever it was, they paid Bobby to go to Canada and actually do the moves for those video games where they put the little ping pong balls on them, you yeah. know, on the green suits and all this. But it was like him and Lash Rue. Lashle. And, uh, and I know that's, that's crazy, but they went and it would be little things like, you know, a double ax handle. They would do that movement over and over and over. So the video creators could get an idea of the way it looked. because these aren't wrestling fans. These are just, right, you know, uh, so he said that they even – they did sound effects, and there was one that they would – they put a car door down and they would hit to smash the sound – to make the sound of, like, the smashing noise. But it was, like, him up there producing these moves, but he went up there for three or four days and got a check in the mail for going up there and his extra work. I can't remember the name of that company. But it was one that did, like, all the football games and all that stuff, and it was real
0: – Like, well. he, I, I thought tech it was mode. a cool
1: story, man. It's not every day you get to go in and, like, yeah. you know, be the, the model for the, the video game. And I thought that was pretty cool. And that was in, like, late 90s he did that. So, way ahead of his time right there. That,
0: going back, that match with Flair, he was in phenomenal shape. He cut weight. Right. He took that training serious because that was, that was the biggest stage right there. It was a world title shot against Ric Flair. He looked right. amazing in that match.
1: Uh, Flair can't say enough stuff, good stuff about no. Bobby either. He's always been very vocal and on the record of, of putting Bobby over.
0: Yeah. Man, thanks for uh, joining us. I love the shirt. Love the jelly. If you have any extra, uh, I think I know Spec would uh, take those off your hands. But if you like, <laughs> follow the Space Cowboy on uh, Facebook, his fan page, The Space Cowboy. Follow us on Twitter at The Slop Drop One and on Facebook at The Slop Drop. And until next time, we're out of here.
1: Midnight Express for the Hall of Fame.